Well, good morning. Welcome to Long Hill Baptist Church Sunday School. Happy Resurrection Day. We're going to start with number 394, The Solid Rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. Holy lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And the last, when he shall come, trumpet sound, oh may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, called blessed to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Well, good morning. If you're in Christ, you're on solid ground. Uh, the world certainly does feel like... Uh, uh, it's quicksand today, many challenges in the world, not the least of which being the, the coronavirus situation, but uh, we don't want to focus on that today. We want to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to wish you a happy uh, Resurrection Sunday. We have uh, so much to rejoice in this morning, despite the, the great trial uh, all around us. Uh, my Bible says, and, and yours does too, in Romans uh, chapter 5 and verse 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, what a love, what a love, and, and what, a, what a wonderful, uh, gracious uh, gift from the Lord. I'm thankful this morning that that's not the end of the story, uh, just exactly as Christ prophesied, just exactly as he told his disciples, uh, he rose again on the third day. Uh, that tomb uh, was found empty. We'll look at that in the next hour uh, on the third day. And what a hope we have because of not only the cross, the death, the burial of Christ, but his resurrection, uh, a wonderful proof that God the Father was uh, perfectly satisfied uh, by the sacrificial death of his son upon the cross. Uh, as I said, in the next hour, uh, we'll look at the account uh, of the resurrection, the account of the discovery of the resurrection. But what I'd like to do here in our 10 o'clock Sunday School hours is just continue uh, in the uh, series that we started recently in 1 Thessalonians. So uh, take your Bible, please, uh, wherever you are, take your Bible this morning uh, and turn to 1 Thessalonians. Now, uh, recall this is uh, Paul's letter to the church that had been planted there at Thessalonica, uh, it's not just Paul's words, of course. These are God's words 
uh, given to that church through Paul. Paul's the penman uh, of God's words. Now, of course, the Lord has promised to preserve these words for us as well, uh, because these words are indeed for us as well. What I'd like to do this morning is read through the passage. It's 18 verses, uh, and then we'll come back through and make some observations here this morning. Read along with me, please. Beginning in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Bible says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, uh, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ, that as ye, that's all of them grammatically, have received of us how ye uh, ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. He says, For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. And we'll come back and uh, we'll look at that topic here this morning. He says, verse 4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification uh, and honor. Sanctification, of course, is this idea of being set apart from sin. It's a, it's a process of becoming, uh, being made more and more holy by the Spirit of God, uh, as we are set apart from sin by him. Uh, but I'm already teaching. Let's jump in and, and continue through the passage here. Verse 5, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. Uh, verse 6, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, and we also have forewarned you and testified. Verse 7 says, for God hath not called us unto uncleanness but unto holiness he therefore verse 8 that despiseth despiseth not man but God who hath also given us his holy spirit that's the key to all of this of course verse 9 but as touching brotherly love ye need not that I write unto you for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another verse 10 he continues and indeed you do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia, the region in which they lived. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. So uh, here again, the second time here, we see this idea of increasing, uh, abounding more and more in obedience to the Lord. Verse 11, he says, And that ye study to be quiet, and to do your own business, and to work with your own hands as we command you. Uh, verse 12, that or so that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, uh, outside the church, and that ye may have lack of nothing. But, verse 13, and here's this uh, wonderful, hopeful passage regarding uh, the rapture, uh, the next main uh, or major event in God's timeline, his biblical timeline. He says, but I would not, verse 13, have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that means dead, uh, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if, verse 14, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also uh, which sleep, those that are dead in Jesus, will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air 
and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, it is a most opportune, a most appropriate time to encounter that passage this morning. Uh, those final verses there from 13 down through 18, the, the, the end of the chapter, uh, what are they talking about, Brother Ray? They're talking about our own resurrection, uh, the resurrection of God's people, the dead first, then the living. Uh, and the, 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 one of the reasons that we can have such a confident hope in that uh, future is that Christ himself was resurrected. Uh, he was resurrected, and we will be resurrected as well. One of the reasons to believe that is that Christ himself rose from the, from the tomb, from the grave, uh, we will as well. That's a wonderful, wonderful hope that we have this morning and the one that is greatly encouraged by the resurrection of our own Savior. I'm going to stop there. We're going to pray. We're going to jump in and make some observations here this morning. I encourage you to have a pen and paper. Uh, let's, let's get some notes down here this morning, if you would, please. Father, thank you. Uh, thank you. We, we see here uh, correction and encouragement and instruction, uh, but also uh, great hope uh, great hope this morning in this passage. Lord, I do thank you how appropriate it is that we encounter this passage in our series uh, on Resurrection Sunday. That wasn't necessarily my plan, but Lord, it was your plan, and uh, I thank you for that. I pray, Father, that you will uh, encourage and instruct your people here this morning through your words. Uh, Father, help me not to be seen, but rather that you and uh, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, would be seen through these thy words. I pray that my words would be your words. Lord, I yield my tongue to you this morning uh, and pray that you would, you would control it. Help me to teach that which you would have to be taught this morning. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we come into the passage here this morning and we see that Paul is doing what? He's lovingly writing back to that church that he has had the privilege to plant back there in, in Thessalonica in Greece. And uh, he's encouraging them initially here in the chapter regarding their sanctification. Now, I've already said it this morning. Let me say it again. Uh, once we're saved, uh, once we've repented of sin and placed our faith in Christ and the blood that he shed to cover our sins, uh, we're not called to continue living in the same old way that we've always lived. Uh, we're called to yield ourselves to the Spirit of God and to allow Him to produce a, a greater and greater holiness in our lives. Zach, he's called the Holy Spirit. Uh, who, who, who else uh, could uh, provide that, that kind of ministry uh, in us but the Spirit of God who indwells us now? Uh, his, perhaps His greatest ministry to us at this time is, well, twofold at least, to, uh, to power us as believers uh, but also to grow our sanctification, to grow a greater and greater holiness in our lives um, that as occurs as, as we yield to him. Uh, that's, Brother Ray, not for our salvation, but because of our salvation, uh, and it's the work of God in our lives. So Paul is encouraging them regarding their sanctification in the first part of this chapter, uh, and specifically uh, in, in areas regarding... Uh, sexual sin, it would seem. Uh, he says, furthermore, in verse 1, uh, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that if you received uh, of us how you ought to walk and to please God. Revelation 4.11, of course, reveals that all of God's creation, including us, 
not for our pleasure. It is for God's pleasure, uh, first and foremost, primarily. Uh, and the Lord desires that we would abound in that more and more, uh, that, that we would uh, walk in greater and greater obedience to the Lord, uh, and that as we do that, there would be a greater and greater pleasing of God in that. Uh, now, I'm not doing that, again, for my salvation. I'm able to walk in increasing obedience to God because of my salvation and because of the Spirit of God. I'm not doing that. Uh, it's not my goal to do that, to be able to look down upon other believers and say, look at me, look how righteous I am. Uh, ironically, that would be a very sinful pridefulness. Uh, no, my, my goal in yielding to the Spirit of God and, uh, and having Him to grow a greater and greater holiness in my life is to please God. Uh, that, is my, um, that is my goal, that's my desire, that's my motivation. He says, you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. Uh, you know that. Uh, he says, for this is the will of God. This is the will of God, even your sanctification. Zach, people spend so much time uh, in their lives trying to discern the will of God. And I understand that they generally mean what's God's specific practical plan for my life. Uh, but we, we do well when we're not sure about what God's uh, specific plan, practically speaking, for my life is, is to just search the Bible for this phrase, the will of God. Just be sure that you understand what God's will is for all believers and that you've yielded yourself to that. Here the Bible says in verse 3, this is the will of God even your sanctification. Uh, you don't need to search for that or to understand, to, uh, to, 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 well, you do need to search the word of God for it. We could say that, and you ought to. This is the will of God. This is one of God's, or part of God's will for us, his, uh, our sanctification. Uh, now, specifically, verse three, uh, I love how the Bible is general at times, but then it will very often narrow down and get more specific. And of course, that's where it begins to step on people's toes a little bit when the correction is not general, uh, but very specific and maybe very relevant uh, to some of us because of the sin uh, that's in our lives. He says at the, the middle part of verse 3, that ye, and it's all of them and all of us grammatically, uh, should abstain from fornication. Now that word fornication, we understand, you understand how we generally use it. Uh, we generally understand it to refer to an intimate physical relationship uh, prior to marriage, and that's not wrong. Uh, that's not wrong. Uh, that would be an example of the use of the underlying word. The underlying word porneia really refers to uh, any kind of sexual impropriety. Uh, it could be a lusting in the mind, in the heart. Uh, of course, our word pornography comes from that underlying word. Uh, the, that, that underlying word, uh, pornography, refers to an inordinate, uh, unhealthy, unbiblical, sinful uh, lusting uh, for that which is not righteous in God's eyes. So uh, here we have the Lord uh, pointing to our need for his desire that we be sanctified in general, uh, but specifically with regard to this part, uh, this, this area. Now, uh, certainly we understand that before we were saved, we might have been very much given over to lust in that area, uh, the lust of the flesh and lust of eyes. Uh, lust of the eyes, 
uh, perhaps the pride of life, the three buckets of, of lust that we struggle with. But as believers, we're, we're rescued from the power of that lust. Uh, we no longer have to lead, lead lives that are given over to that. Uh, we have strength and power from God to put that behind uh, and to turn our attention to godly things. And, of course, the Holy Spirit, who uh, is the one who sanctifies, is the one who empowers us uh, to do that. He says in verse 4, uh, that or so that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel uh, in sanctification and honor. Uh, vessel here refers to the body, uh, our, our physical bodies. Uh, the Lord calls us to, to rededicate or to recommit our physical bodies uh, that in the past might have been uh, committed to or dedicated to sinful things. Uh, as saved people now, we're called to uh, rededicate or recommit to uh, possess now our bodies uh, in sanctification in a more honorable way, uh, understanding that God has given us these bodies for righteous purposes, uh, no longer for sinful purposes, but for ministry and, uh, and God's purposes. Uh, he says in verse 5, not in the lust of uh, concupiscence, uh, lust, the word concupiscence there has the same idea uh, as lust, a longing for something. Uh, listen, let's be honest this morning. We, we struggle. Uh, we're tempted in our minds, in our hearts, and in all sorts of lusty things. We're, uh, we're tempted to uh, look upon things that, that are sinful. We're tempted to uh, desire physical things that are sinful. Uh, we're tempted to give in to those things. Uh, because of the, the lust that is the pride of life. Uh, in, in doing that, we are prioritizing, uh, giving ourselves over to satisfying our lusts rather than being uh, obedient to and serving the Lord. Uh, here's a choice that we all have uh, with respect to our life and with respect to uh, specifically how we use our bodies. Uh, we can use them to serve the Lord uh, or we can use them to serve ourselves by giving in to our lusts. It's really a choice, Brother Ray. Uh, all of us have that choice. We, uh, we're here. Uh, we have a physical body. We can dedicate it to serving ourselves and satisfying our lusts, or we can dedicate it to serving our Lord. It's a choice that uh, we make every day. Uh, this week, I was doing one of our podcast interviews. If you haven't had a chance to start listening to those, I encourage you to do that. They're just short audio uh, messages that deal with um, anxiety. This week, I had the opportunity to interview our friend, Dr. Terry Coomer, uh, down in Arkansas. And I asked him to come on and to talk a little bit about some biblical principles that could help people overcome worry, anxiety, and fear, which, of course, is a temptation that we're all struggling with uh, at this time. And uh, perhaps uh, surprisingly, he began to speak about the connection between lust uh, and anxiety. And, um, I thought about that for a moment. I asked him, I said, Dr. Kumar, I understand you're, you're, you're drawing a connection. You're drawing a thread between those two things. Uh, explain, please, why that is. Why is it that someone who is uh, maybe saved but, but still uh, dedicating themselves intentionally or not, still giving themselves over to uh, serving their lust, to fulfilling their lust, uh, pursuing those things that they lust in their heart, how is it that that 
might encourage someone or allow someone to find themselves caught up in anxiety, uh, in worry, anxiety, or fear. He said, well, well, brother, it's really very simple. He said, if, if you are living to fulfill your lusts, if you're allocating a lot of your time and energy to lusty things, you're really not walking with the Lord. You can't do both things at the same time. You can't be walking with the Lord and, uh, and, and, and living or, or, or allocating a lot of your time to fulfilling your lust at the same time. They don't go together. They, they repel each other. Those, those two ideas are, are, are like water and oil. They, they can't really exist together. They, uh, they, they repel each other. So allowing yourself to walk in, in lust, to, uh, to live for, uh, to continue in some um, habit, lusty habit, uh, necessarily draws us away from walking with the Lord. It compromises our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Certainly, we would take care to not say that that compromise our salvation, but certainly our walk with and relationship with the Lord would be compromised. Uh, and in that situation, uh, we, we open up ourselves to all kinds of worry, anxiety, and fear. Listen, you know, if you're walking closely with the Lord, uh, you're, you're being blessed by him. Uh, you're being blessed with comfort from him. Uh, you, you, you have that close relationship where uh, you're probably more inclined to just be prayerful throughout the day. And as worries come, you're taking them to the Lord with thanksgiving and receiving his, his promised um, peace when you do that. But if you're walking far from the Lord, you're probably just not doing that. And worry, anxiety, and fear just starts to add up, to mount up, to pile up in our hearts. Uh, Lord, help us. Lord, help us to understand that, yes, we're tempted by lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Uh, we, can, we can live for those things, fulfilling those things, uh, but it'll compromise our walk with you, and it'll compromise our emotional and spiritual health, uh, and certainly will compromise our ability to please you. Uh, and that's really where Paul is focused, this idea that we'll, we'll not please the Lord if we're living for lust rather than living for him. He says in, in verse 6, that no man or so that no man go beyond and defraud his brother uh, in any matter because that the Lord is uh, the avenger of all such things as we also have forewarned you uh, and testified. Now listen, there's, there's a lot that might be alluded to in that verse, but uh, let's just uh, look at the last half of the verse for a second. Paul says the Lord is the avenger of all such uh, let's, let's bear in mind this morning that even if we are saved, now, if you're saved, all of your sins are forgiven. They're forgiven once and for all. The moment that you were saved, all of your past sins, all of your present sins on that day, all of your future sins up to today uh, and beyond, they're covered by the blood of Christ. They're forgiven. But as a believer continues to sin, we've, all, we've already talked about some of the, <coughs> excuse me, practical consequences, uh, but another consequence, of course, would be the correction, uh, the, God's correction in our lives. He'll allow great trials at times. We've talked about this a lot recently. Uh, he's the avenger of all such things, Paul says. Uh, there's an allusion there to God's justice, uh, but perhaps um, given that Paul's writing to save people, more of an allusion to 
uh, God's correction. He'll correct his people. Uh, if, if we continue or if we allow ourselves to fall into lusty habits, uh, places and, and things that we should not be involved in, uh, pornography, whatever the lustful thing is, uh, God will correct us. He will allow trials into our life to shake us up and uh, to kind of shake us out of it, to wake us up and to call us back to a closer walk with him. Uh, Lord, help us to just repent, to just come to you and uh, confess and repent that we not need to be uh, shaken awake, if you will. He says in verse 7 this, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Boy, look at that verse again and, and really try to get a hold of that. Uh, God has not called us uh, to continue living uh, sinful lives. He's not called us to continue living lives that are practically unclean before him. He has called us to live lives that are practically holy, that evidence change, that evidence uh, a fact that uh, not only are we, do we occupy a position of righteousness in God's eyes because the blood of his son has covered our sins and uh, the righteousness of Christ has been imputed or paid onto our account. Uh, that's the position that we occupy no matter what. But practically speaking, I believe this is what the Lord's referring to here. Uh, we, he's called us not to continue in our old life, but to, to have a new life that is characterized by greater and greater holiness. Uh, I think there's Christians out there that, that have either not understood this ever uh, or perhaps have forgotten this. Uh, God has called us to holiness. Yes, it's a progressive thing, but it ought to be something that is progressing in your lives uh, all the way uh, until we're home with he in heaven uh, with him. I hope you can look back over the past several years and say, sure enough, I've grown as I've yielded to the Holy Spirit, as I've said, Lord, here I am. Uh, help me, grow me, uh, take me and use me. Uh, that there's a greater holiness in your life today. Listen, if there isn't, uh, you're, you're missing your calling. You're not growing. Uh, what's my calling? People so often want to understand that. The Lord hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. We know that's God's will, and that's his calling upon our life. Uh, not a holier-than-now prideful holiness, but a God-pleasing sanctification. Lord, help us to take that very seriously. Maybe this morning you want to just make a mental note. I need to pray about this. I need to pray, Lord, if there's still things in my life that are unpleasing to you, convict me of that. Give me your grace and, and your strength to lay those things aside once and for all and to put on a, uh, something that would be more pleasing to you in its place. Uh, maybe your music isn't what it should be. Pray about that. Uh, ask God to help you put off music that is displeasing to him uh, and to find music that would be more pleasing to him. Maybe, you're, maybe it's your dress, uh, your attire, not biblical the way that it should be, not pleasing to God the way that it should be. Uh, ask God uh, to literally help you to put that off and to put on attire that would be more holy, more righteous, more pleasing to God. Uh, only you know what that is. You and the Lord know where there needs to be change in your life. Uh, but there needs to be change. There needs to be ongoing change. Please don't allow yourself to think, well, I've, I've grown to the point that uh, there's no uh, further opportunity for sanctification in my life. Well, of course there is. 
always be looking to grow, always be asking God to search your heart, as we've talked about recently, to convict you of things that need to be changed, uh, and then ask him for grace to do that, to put those things off and to put on things that will please him uh, in its place. This is God's will, and this is our calling. Look at verse 8. He says, He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man but God, uh, who hath also given unto us his uh, Holy Spirit. Well, thank you that this sanctification is possible uh, because of the Spirit of God. Lord, thank you. Uh, Lord, thank you. Verse 9, he says, there's a little bit of a shift here, um, and uh, perhaps it's, uh, it's a shift from a focus on uh, physical sanctification, uh, sanctification regarding uh, physical things, uh, but the thoughts are, are related. Uh, he turns to uh, the Lord's desire that there be a greater love in our life, and uh, and maybe the pivot point is this. Maybe it's uh, that the Lord no longer desires, or the Lord never desired, but uh, we're called to no longer be living a life that is focused on satisfying our lusts, but now instead we're called to be living a life that is uh, about love, uh, a life where we, we turn from lust and, and a life that is about that uh, to a life that is now about love. To, Jesus said to love him is to obey him, uh, to love others is to, is to do for them, not to look for opportunities to use them for sinful purposes, uh, but, but to uh, promote a greater godliness, a greater sanctification in their own lives. Look at verse 9. He says, but as touching brotherly uh, love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God uh, to love one another. Uh, Paul says, I don't really need to write this to you because you know it already because God has already shown you this uh, in your own hearts. Uh, and that's no doubt that was true. God had already convicted them that there needed to be a real love in their hearts toward the Lord, yes, but toward one another also. Uh, it's interesting that the Lord has had him to write this. I don't really need to write it to you, but the Holy Spirit has nonetheless compelled Paul to write this down. Uh, we need to be reminded. We need to be uh, people who are in God's word and reminded of what God desires and be reminded of how we can live the life that he's called us to constantly. Uh, yes, I have that conviction of the Holy Spirit in my heart, uh, but I have the word of God to confirm that uh, and, and to help me uh, direct my heart in godly things. He says in verse 10, and indeed you do it toward all the brethren. Uh, he's, he's commending them here for having a love toward all the uh, fellow church members, he says, which are in all Macedonia. Uh, he says, but we beseech you, all of you, brethren, save people, that ye increase more and more. Just as he called them to have a, a growing sanctification, that they would abound in, in greater and greater holiness, having turned from lust uh, to serving lust, to serving the Lord, uh, he's now called them to abound with a greater and greater love toward each other, uh, dedicating themselves, uh, rededicating themselves away from serving their lusts, uh, yes, serving the Lord, but now loving, which is serving uh, fellow believers and, and others around us. Uh, Paul said, yep, the Lord has convicted you of this in your heart, and now I'm encouraging you uh, to do that. What God has convicted you of in your heart, you need to get that practically into practice now. And 
uh, boy, what a, what a great encouragement for us today as well. Uh, the Lord does convict us in our hearts, and he does uh, teach us through his words. But uh, we have to take great care, as we so often say, uh, to not just be hearers of the word or, or receivers of conviction, but doers of the word. The, the people there at Thessalonica understood that they were to be involved in or they were to dedicate themselves to serving others, that's love, uh, rather than their own lusts, but they didn't need to, they, forgive me, they, they, they could not, they should not stop at that understanding. They needed to put that into action. They'd take their understanding and act on it to actually demonstrate love toward uh, one another. Uh, as I've said many times recently, we need to do the same, and, and certainly we have many opportunities, uh, and there's a great need to do that in uh, very difficult times like that which we are facing right now. Uh, pray. Uh, I would encourage you to pray, especially now, uh, each day, Lord, how can I demonstrate love to someone today? Uh, when I was speaking with Dr. Coomer this week, he said, you know, brother, uh, in, in a very real way, the, the essence of the Christian life is asking God questions. Uh, I don't know if you've ever really thought of it that way, but stop and think about that for a minute. Uh, if you are truly yielding yourself to the Spirit of God, uh, you are necessarily going to be in the business of asking God questions. God, what do you want me to do? God, how would you have me to serve you? Uh, God, I know you've called me to love and to abound in a greater and greater love, but how would you have me to do that? Uh, that's asking God questions. It's not just saying, Lord, here I am, but it's kind of getting down to nitty-gritty where the rubber hits the road, asking God questions. Lord, how would you have me to implement your word practically in my life in our church right now today? Uh, ask God, and then uh, allow him to impress upon your heart that which he would have you to do. And you know what? He does. He lays, uh, he lays thoughts upon our hearts. And, you know, that's not a weird, uh, unbiblical, super uh, biblical, extra biblical uh, idea. It's just the reality of the Holy Spirit impressing upon our hearts that which he would have us to uh, do. That's not a biblical idea at all. So, I encourage you to make a habit, if you haven't already, of praying and asking God, where would you have me to exercise this love that I am to abound in more and more? Uh, and be prepared for him to impress that upon your heart and then be prepared to do that, not in your own strength, but in his. Let's continue here uh, just a bit further here. Uh, he says in verse 11, and that ye study to be quiet and that you do and to do your own business and to work with your own hands uh, as we have commanded you that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, that you would have strong testimony. I think there's an allusion here to the lost, those that are outside the church, uh, and that you may have lack of nothing. Now, you may look here at verses 11 and 12 and, and wonder, why are those two verses there? Uh, he's been talking about lust and sanctification uh, and then brotherly love. Uh, and then there's these two verses that uh, seem to be encouraging that we stay about our business and, and keep working, practically speaking here. Uh, I think this is an allusion here, not to ministry work, but to secular work. 
why, why is that here? Well, I think we can see if we consider the whole context that uh, these two verses appear before this uh, last several verses that deal with the rapture. Perhaps there was a situation in the church there at Thessalonica where uh, people had stopped doing the practical work, the secular work uh, that was the source of their income uh, because they thought that the rapture was uh, about to occur. Uh, some may have thought that it had occurred. They might as well just stop working. Uh, but some may have thought, you know what, uh, the rapture is, is imminent, therefore I don't need to uh, continue providing for my family. Well, that's not at all the case. Uh, the rapture hadn't occurred uh, then. It still hasn't occurred today. Uh, and by the way, the fact that we see a great trial in the world doesn't mean that we have our eschatology wrong or anything like that. We still believe the rapture will come before the tribulation, uh, followed by the second coming of Christ with us, followed by uh, the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, followed by a new heaven and new earth. That's, that's still our understanding. But uh, in the church at Thessalonica, I think it's the case that some people were confused uh, and that, that they were maybe taking their belief that the rapture was about to come as an excuse not to continue working. Uh, listen, uh, husbands, men, you're, we are called to care for our family. Uh, the Bible says a man that refuses to provide for his family, if he's physically able to do that, of course, uh, is worse than an infidel, worse, worse than a lost person, worse than someone who would willfully reject Christ. Uh, so don't look for excuses uh, to not be providing for your family. Now, I know that um, that may feel unkind uh, at a time when literally millions of people have lost their jobs. And I understand, I'm not uh, certainly not criticizing those people. If you can't work for some reason that has nothing to do with you, that's not being addressed here. Uh, what's being addressed is continuing to do what you can do because you don't know exactly when the Lord is coming. Uh, that's it. Well, let's, let's look at the last verses here again and just uh, quickly review and we'll be done uh, some things about the rapture, this catching up of believers uh, in the air. This is the resurrection of dead believers followed by living believers, a, a reuniting of the body uh, with the spirit, making a soul, uh, I believe, uh, especially when we look back to Genesis, don't have time to do that this morning, but uh, I believe that's the idea. This is our hope. He says in verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not. Uh, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep, those that have died, having come to Christ, will God bring with him. Uh, our uh, dead uh, friends and family members who, who knew Christ, uh, their spirits are home in heaven with the Lord, but the day is coming when their bodies will be resurrected and perfected and reunited with their spirits. That's the great hope of resurrection uh, that we have being in Christ, knowing him as our savior. And his resurrection is a great proof of the possibility of resurrection. Well, for us, it's not just a possibility. It's, it's our certain hope. He says in verse 14, or verse 15, uh, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before them which are asleep, those that are deceased. For the Lord himself shall descend. This is 
This is the next thing in God's timeline. This is uh, what we're watching for and listening for. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, uh, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, uh, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, and this, if this happened today, this is the we here, uh, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Can you imagine? Uh, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Verse 18, our final verse says, Wherefore, or therefore, comfort one another with these words. Uh, that's not something to dread or to fear. Uh, that is God's, um, it's God's intention that we would comfort one another with this hope. Uh, I said to one man this week something that I've, I've said often. Uh, if, if, if someone were to get sick and die, um, what would happen? Well, if they're saved, they would go to heaven. If they don't know Christ, they go to hell. Uh, but as for a saved person, uh, that's the worst thing that could happen to them. And, of course, the worst thing is the best thing. <laughs> being, being at home in heaven with the Lord is the best thing. Uh, and then at his rapture, that person's body, according to this passage, will be raised and perfected and reunited uh, with their spirit. What a wonderful hope that we have. Uh, resurrection bodies that will not get sick again, that will not have to fear or be concerned with coronavirus or COVID-19 or diabetes or heart disease or cancer or lung disease or movement disorders or uh, all sorts of things that afflict us today. Uh, our hope is perfected bodies that will never have to be concerned about these things again. Uh, if you're afflicted this morning, just stop and, and, and think and meditate on this truth for a moment. Uh, your hope is to be home with heaven, in heaven with the Lord, in a perfected, incorruptible resurrection body. If you know Christ as Savior, that's a certain hope. If you don't know him as your Savior, boy, I, I urge you. Uh, today, uh, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, 2020, would be a great day to get that settled. You just come to the Lord and say, Lord, I know uh, I'm a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, you could say, Lord, I, I know I'm a sinner. I, I, I just know that. You've shown me that. You could say, Lord, I know Jesus died upon the cross for me. Uh, he shed his blood to cover my sins. I understand he, was, uh, he died, he was buried. Uh, he rose again, proving that his death is the, the way that you uh, have designed to be satisfied, uh, the way the price will be paid for my sins. Lord, I understand that, and I, and I understand Jesus is the only way. Uh, and so this morning I come and uh, I place my faith in Christ, the blood that he shed to be the only way that my sins can be forgiven. Lord, I, uh, I placed my trust in Christ this morning. Uh, the Bible says um, that those who would repent of sin and come and place their faith in Christ, uh, they have eternal life. They have eternal life. What a joy. What a joy. I want to thank you for joining us this morning. In the next uh, hour, we'll be in Matthew 28 looking at the account of that uh, Sunday morning where the tomb was found empty. Uh, please don't miss that. Join us in the next hour, please. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you this morning for your word. 
Father, I thank you this morning for the wonder of it, for the truth of it. I thank you for the, uh, the power it has both to convict, convict uh, and to comfort. Lord, I thank you that we don't have to, because of your words, we don't have to guess about your will. We don't have to guess about your call upon our lives and, and what it means. We don't have to guess about our future. Uh, we see all of that in 18 short verses 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Lord, thank you. I thank you that there's great comfort in these thy words. Help us not to soon forget them. Father, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.